Okay, thanks very much. Yeah, so I'm going to jump right into like four questions. And the first one I think may end up looking, feel at first like a tangent to many of you, but the first question that I have is can crop breeding continue to increase water productivity in terms of uh, crop yield and crop value per unit of water? I think it's not fully understood that a large share, in fact, I'd say by far the majority of increased water productivity over the past few decades has come from improved crop varieties that increase the amount of usable plant biomass per unit of water. They haven't come through improved water management in general. And that happens, by, for example, the semi-dwarf varieties of rice and wheat, which greatly increase the amount of, of usable plant matter in terms of grain for food uh, compared to previous varieties. That immensely increased the productivity of water for any given use, uh, uh, any given amount of water. It also, there's also, significant potential now for more effective and efficient transpiration of water through plants. That's going to require a lot more breeding. A lot, a lot of ir irrigation people don't think this is possible. They think it's run out. But I think, look, talking to scientists and breeders, there's still considerable potential is likely to have to uh, increase, uh, have an increased diversity of genes and to use biotechnology to get to the kinds of yields per unit of water that we want. So if if GMOs are off the table, gene editing has to come in uh, as a, and how that is regulated is going to be very important uh, in answering that question. A second question that maybe is, can advanced irrigation technologies actually reduce water use? Does it conserve water? Uh, you know, if we look at things like drip and sprinkler irrigation and, and, and uh, enhanced water harvesting, precision uh, farming that, that tries to, uh, to optimize water at the field level, does that actually save water in general? It certainly tends to help the individual farmer who's adopting it, particularly the early adopters, to increase their income efficiency. But water within a river basin, which is where most of this is being done, uh, is interconnected. The runoff from one water user to another uh, is available, water, from one water user is available to other water users in the basin downstream. So. It, socially, new irrigation technology management can have a number of different outcomes. The first one, which we all want to have happen, is that it saves water that would otherwise e evaporate un unproductively or flow to sinks in you know, deep groundwater or polluted groundwater. Uh, and therefore, by making those savings, would significantly in increase net system benefits. But also can divert water that would otherwise just be used downstream. So it takes water from one farmer to the upstream farmer, so they make more money, but there's no reduction in water use. And there's evidence in some areas that it actually increases water use by increasing the profitability of irrigation for individual farmers rather than saving uh, water. So real water savings are a lot more difficult than, than a lot of the rhetoric seems to claim. Uh, and to achieve the benefits, which I do think could, are, again, could be substantial of these new technologies and farming systems, needs appropriate water allocation systems. And, and uh, Claudia certainly uh, spoke about these. In particular, in my opinion, it's going to need uh, well-specified water rights and water allocations uh, in farms and river basin. And that leads to my next question is, will secure water rights and water trading ever be implemented on a useful scale to actually accomplish the transformation of water management uh, that we need. And that goes back to the economic incentives that, uh, that Claudia broke up. Water rights should be the core cornerstone of efficient and equitable water management. Uh, they empower the irrigators who, who then cannot have water so easily appropriated as, as it is now. They provide incentives for investment in, in more efficient technology and, and making water rights tradable 
get, kicks it up another notch to, uh, to generate the kinds of additional incentives to optimize economic value, uh, not only at the farm level, but throughout uh, the basin. The question is, why has this been so difficult? Uh, there's a lot of arguments that it's very costly to monitor water use at, at the level needed. I think those arguments are going out, out uh, the door with the advanced in information technology, new small-scale sensors and so forth. Uh, and I think it's really, a lot of it has to do with long-standing uh, uh, management practices and frankly with, you know, political rent-seeking where the managers, the top-down managers of water uh, prefer existing kinds of systems because they control where the water goes uh, with potentials for income and, and payoffs in, in the process. So getting past that political economy is going to be uh, very, uh, very difficult. Another just final question is, uh, again, another big political economy question really is, can water and other related subsidies ever be reduced to the extent they are? Uh, it, it, I think we all know water subsidies, energy and fertilizer subsidies combine sort of in an unholy trinity to result in great overuse of water, energy, and fertilizer, increase greenhouse gas emissions substantially because of those that of that overuse. Uh, they cause environmental damage. Uh, and think not, it isn't recognized as much as they crowd out public investments. So in many uh, important developing countries, the, the, the subsidy bill to the government is far in excess to the amount of productive investment in, in rural infrastructure, irrigation, and other capital uh, on an annual basis. So, so it's holding back productivity as well as costing uh, along the way. They tend to be popular because it's a way to get, get funding out to farmers, uh, though it actually a lot of that doesn't go to farmers, it goes to the fertilizer producers, the, uh, in, into water uh, uh, intermediaries as well. So by re reducing and removing input subsidies, you, you can both generate enough savings that you could give direct, non-distorting income support to farmers. Uh, to, to move them through that temporary loss of subsidies, plus also provide the investment in, in, productive, in productive fields such as agriculture research uh, and the development, roads, et cetera. But whether, again, whether that will happen is, it remains a big question.